Long time, first time, baby! What happened to saving the dick vital impression for the end? That was a dick vital impression? That's just how I talk. <laughs> yeah, uh, we were going to have you do your uh, dick vital impression, though. So, Dick, what are you excited about for this oh, holiday season? I'm so excited! I'm so excited, Casey! Oh, yeah, first of all, I'm excited about the three-point present contest, baby! Next thing you know, we're going to be talking about... The diaper dandies! That's right, the diaper dandies! Oh, the diaper dandies of the table! Oh, the diaper dandies by which I mean... Oh, never mind. You know what the diaper dandies produce? Good. Yeah. Uh, so, contrary to our college basketball references, it's actually the NBA that was back this week. We had to start a regular season play. Uh, first game was not particularly enjoyable for us. Uh, not if you are a Warriors fan. Yeah, uh, first thoughts on that? Um, you know, uh, I think back to last year, which was a disaster, um, and I quickly got excited once Steph got hurt uh, because of what it was going to mean for the Warriors' ability to build. But something that really uh, gnawed, uh, stuck in my craw, gnawed at me early on, um, you know, I feel like there are a lot of people who don't give Steph credit or don't give him the credit he's due. And, you know, they, there's been, a, you know, a lot of people saying things like, oh, he can't do it on his own. And, and they talk about him choking and all of this is ridiculous. Um, but what really worried me early last year was that people were going to point at it as, see, this is all evidence that Steph can't do it and, on his own. And, uh, and, you know, see, look, James Harden can do it on his own. LeBron can do it on his own. You know, that kind of thing. People saying that kind of stuff. And I have to say, I was a little relieved after the Warriors started so horribly and I started worrying about people saying this about Steph. I was kind of relieved when he got hurt uh, because it meant that conversation was going to end. And I really worry about people. Again, I disagree with it, but I worry about people saying it this year. And one thing is, uh, I mean, has LeBron, has Harden done it on their own because LeBron had, he was able to carry the Cavs to the finals through through a week east, and he has been one of the uh, players who has carried the most, but it's just, this isn't a day at LeBron or any particular player, but it's just really hard to carry like that, and especially as they're older, where LeBron and Jordan, who maybe, I think even people like us who really do support Steph, may, maybe agree, aren't, he's, he's not in that tier of the greatest players of all time. Steph. Yeah. You know, but what kind of made me sad is I was hoping he was. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there, there's part of me, you know, he is a revolutionary player. I mean, and he changed basketball. And he does things that nobody else can. And um, so, you know, that uh, I, I want him to be considered with that group. Now, some things to think about. Michael Jordan did carry early on his career he did carry the Chicago Bulls. They did not have good players around him, and he made it possible for them to do things, you know, even, you know, be competitive um, in ways that they shouldn't. That's, that's one can't, thing. Can't you argue Steph did the same thing in the pre-title years, kind of like Jordan did in that Eastern Conference where Steph... Warriors were better. I mean, the Warriors around Steph were better. I'm saying pre... You're saying pre-Kerr uh, pre in the Mark Jackson era. Yeah, mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, the Warriors, I mean, you think about who, from the time that they started, you know, from the time that they ditched uh, Monte Ellis, 
which was a key point in the Warriors. It, it was one, one thing that the, the biggest thing that they were doing at that point uh, really was giving the keys to, to, to Curry to run the team. Um, but, I mean, you look, I, they, they had Clay Thompson. They had, you know, they had better players around Steph um, than Michael Jordan. Now, th- then again, look, Michael Jordan is different. Michael Jordan truly, I mean, I, I never thought Steph was going to be Mike, Michael Jordan. So that, that, that's the first thing. Um, there, another thing, though, is think about how LeBron and the Lakers did the season before this one. LeBron's first season with the Lakers was a disaster. That went terribly. So, you know, I don't want to hear this thing about, oh, you know, LeBron can just carry things all by himself kind of thing completely. Um, Also, James Harden. James Harden has, you know, despite the fact that James Harden gets the offense revolving around him and he gets most of the credit, the Rockets actually have some pretty good players around him. P.J. Tucker is a very good basketball player. Yeah, and like we are seeing something with, the Warriors versus, versus the Rockets, where Curry and Harden command the same gravity, but the plays don't pay off for the Warriors at the end of the day because Andrew Wiggins isn't finishing those from three points. Whereas way, Eric Gordon Yeah, can. Eric Gordon, P.J. Tucker, all of these guys, like they, the four players they put on the wings, those guys hit Absolutely. Them. Now, this is a different thing, though, different thought um, on this whole, um, you know, where does Steph fit into all of this? Uh, recently, uh, I listened to the, uh, I think it was, it was the, the book of basketball 2.0, Bill Simmons and Zach Lowe talking about the draft, uh, that James Harden and Steph came in. And I don't remember which one of them said it first, that is, uh, Zach Lowe or Bill Simmons, but one of them, I I think it was Zach Lowe, said... James Harden is more likely to raise your floor if you're a bad team, whereas Steph is more likely to raise your ceiling if you're a good team. And I think that's right. I think that's absolutely right. That a player like Steph, um, you know, it's difficult for him to completely take, to take a team of a lot of scrubs and take them to great success, in part because of the whole gravity thing you were talking about. That when it, you know that what he's doing is he truly is opening up so much for other people, and that is one of his you know great superpowers. Whereas Harden does have an easier time getting close to the hoop, and you know at minimum getting fouled and shooting free throws. Yeah, right. Gravity is almost half the equation when you don't have that second part. And yeah, you hit the nail on the head with Harden there and his fouling that at the end of the day what Steph does a lot of times it has to lead to opportunities for his teammates which is great with Kevin Durant but it's harder to do with other guys whereas Harden he keeps the ball on those he he gets fouled which which will be consistent whether he is playing alongside stars or whether he is alongside uh, pre-lukewarm roster, he, he's going to keep doing that. He's going to keep producing like that. And actually, I, I will uh, push back a little bit on what you said. Yeah, it's, it's amazing if it's Kevin Durant, but it's also really good. It's, it's really fantastic if you have other good players. The problem is, you know, who else can shoot on the Warriors right now? You know, if, if you've got exactly. Clay Thompson, if you I mean, if you've got really smart players like Iggy, um, you know, they can put themselves in the right position to, to benefit from Steph. The current group uh, on the Warriors, uh, 
you know, they're, they're, they're young and they're not very good three-point shooters. So, you know, they're inexperienced. They don't quite know what they're doing as, in, in terms of being able to take advantage of, you know, uh, tapping into what Steph can produce for them. Um, right. Whereas yeah. as long as you've got Clay there with Steph, that's a totally different universe. Yep. Exactly. That Clay will knock down those open ones, whereas Ubre and some of the other guys are less reliable from there. Absolutely. Uh, then, so and if, and Andrew Wiggins is downright bad. Yeah. Three point shooting. And then debriefing from that first game, also KD, it wasn't like an outstanding game on the stat sheet or anything, but he just looked. He looked in really command. good. Yeah. He he. The thing you worry about with the kinds of injuries he's had is tentativeness. Um, he did not look tentative. He looked totally normal. Um, that was pretty creepy. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty terrifying. Yeah, Kyrie was good, and they they were able to move the ball. Like, Karis LeVert, I think, had 20 points. They You're going to play better defenses than the Warriors, but... Yes, and, and that's a huge point, which everybody should remember before getting all, you know, uh, too excited about the Nets. They, they need to see the Nets play teams who actually have a functioning defense. Yeah, Christmas Day against the Celtics, though. They, they win that, and... Now we're talking. That's an interesting one. That's or certainly much more interesting. Yep. So yeah, I just like how they move the ball. It, one game isn't going to determine everything, but yeah, I did, I really did like what I saw. I really did like what I saw. Yeah. Somehow that sounded From, really off. Oh, you mean about the Nets? Yeah, just as a team because yeah, they look fantastic. Um, again, they were playing. You know, uh, I mean. If Draymond isn't playing for the Warriors, I mean, that's a, that's a real mess. That, that's a real problem for the Warriors. There's no reason to expect the Warriors to be any good, and so therefore I have a harder time measuring just how good the Nets are. On the Warriors' side, I mean, the Warriors aren't going to be an especially good team this year. I mean, I think best best case scenario is they're kind of a bubble. Um, they, they are on the cusp of making the playoffs, what I would love to see from the Warriors this year is Steph have a really good year. Just kind of get everybody, you know, get all the haters to stop hating and show that he really is this good and perhaps add another lottery pick. So they have two lottery picks in this year's draft and then have Clay come back next year and really be reloaded for next year. That sounds good and all. We, if we keep pushing this back, uh, year after year after year, probably soon we'll look up and the prime for those guys will have expired. Well, that's the thing. There will be this new core around Wiseman and some other good players. And then Wiseman, I really liked what I saw. I, I know you were, we were both fawning over some of his moves in the post. And just moving like that for a seven-footer was unbelievable. He had a three late, which is just nice bonus, I guess. Yeah, I, I didn't like him acting... I mean, the, 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 the single play that was most disappointing was watching him try to go coast to coast and then get called for a charge. I mean, it was one of those things that because he basically has no experience playing, you know, beyond AAU in high school, that he doesn't know you can't do that at this level. And I'm hoping he will learn about that. I mean, it, it was, you know, at the same time, I was sitting there going, wow, that's really, he's really athletic. Um... And so that's the, the positive I pull from it. And, and, that, and that is something, plays like that, because a lot of the things we were unhappy with, uh, him taking a three above the break in the first quarter, that stuff you learn with that IQ he will develop. 
over his entire career and really just over his rookie season because yeah that, that that's going to come and also the three point shot will develop more so in a few months we might not be groaning over that shot that might be a uh, feasible to- totally fine but you know somebody like him it's not going to be his three pointer that that's the key right it's in the end it's going to be his ability to play closer to the rim Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I that, and that's why I was so excited about that really cute little spin move that had him make ultimately making a left-handed layup. That was really nice. That was beautifully athletic and looks, you know, that was something that suggests he has potential. Yep. And then second game, uh, I've developed a name for Paul George in this regular season. So you may have heard of playoff P. You may have heard of pandemic P. Both struggled. Pfizer P. Pfizer. <laughs> And if we're really going to do it right, we're going to start calling Pfizer P. Yeah, because you do need you do need that sound. That's a that's a good point. But did, did could this be a new chapter? George had just an incredible second half, and I was reminiscing to his Pacers days, his Thunder days, because days of thunder. Uh, <laughs> a, because la- last season, t- plays kind of, of thunder. Yeah, uh, yeah, nice. Uh, last season really kind of burst the bubble for me on him, uh, where. I, I had kind of built Playoff up. Playoff P, baby! I had kind of built up a lot. Pfizer P, baby! Yep. Uh, yeah. Did, I know ESPN does that, the crossover thing. I, I want Dickie V calling some NBA for, for sure. Oh, that's, uh, or, the, wait, that's wait, the wait, thing well, we're going to be doing. Wait, yeah, yeah. Well, why, why do I even need to make that my Christmas wish when I have Dickie V in my household? Oh, every day, baby! Every day we're going to be we're gonna be Paul George. We're going to be Paul George. Oh, we're going to be doing with the Cameron Crazies, baby! Oh, with Coach K. Coach K coming down well, the well, runway. Paul pa- pa- oh, George is a friend. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Coach K is an essential worker, baby. Essential! We should be giving him the vaccine right now. He should be Pfizer Krzyzewski. Wow, that that was a lot. By the way, this week on Dickie V, I learned apparently Mick Jagger is one of his neighbors now. Where? Florida. Yeah, I'm convinced that he lives in like a sitcom. He comes out for two hours. Or no, it's a reality show, like the real life of Dickie V. God, I wanted to be a sitcom. That would be so great. Somebody tweeted. I'm trying to remember who tweeted this. Yeah, out, and but, t- this but, this week I also learned he was like a sixth grade teacher for a little while. Oh or my something. gosh, he would have been so enthusiastic <laughs> and positive. Okay, now people. Sofa X. Okay, Sofa X. Sofa. Okay, look at the pony. We're gonna read about the pony, baby. Um, I uh, I saw a tweet. Uh, I think it was yesterday where. <laughs> The person tweeted out about Bill Walton is so good at not talking about basketball while doing an, while announcing a basketball game. It's really true. Like, he, yeah, he, he will find any excuse. Uh. <laughs> I'm just, oh my god! And I just was it. Were we talking about Dickie V and and Bill Walton? Yeah, yeah, um, doing a broadcast booth together. <laughs> Oh, what did Jay Billis say the other day, too? Uh, uh, yeah, uh, we're in the Texas uh, Tech oh. Rafters, and we're higher than Dickie V. Uh, we're higher <laughs> than Bill Walton has ever been. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, the Billis is great. Uh, He's just, so clever. Just a, a lot of these, I, I mean, Billis is probably the smartest, but then Dickie V is a basketball mind. Walton provides a lot of fun. I, I don't know, it's just a lot. Those ESPN college booths are a, a lot of fun, I'd say. Uh, but ba- back to Paul George. Like I said, last year kind of... Pfizer P, baby! Yeah, yeah, sorry. Uh, 
missed the name there. I yeah, I messed that up. That's on me. But uh, Paul George looked great last night. And like I said, kind of last year, my bubble on him was burst. Where in Oklahoma City, he was almost in that tier for me of guys who I could always trust to make a certain shot. And kind of last year, especially in the bubble, the, the shot that sticks with me is, of course, him hitting the side of the backboard. Against I mean, the Nuggets. it's hard to hit the side of a backboard. So I think you know. Let's assume he was trying to do that. In which case, that was very impressive. That's a good point. I mean, you don't you don't do that. Like, how many times have you taken a twenty five footer? I guess he was the, actually the the distance isn't that far from the corner. How many times have you tried to hit an eighteen footer? But um, so shorter makes it more impressive, right? Because then then it has to travel farther right per inch. I, per I think that's really impressive. Yes, I agree. So, how many times have you tried to shoot the ball eighteen feet away from the rim? And intentionally hit the side of the backboard and done it successfully. I don't believe I ever have. Yeah, I don't think so. That that's a horse level. That's horse level stuff. That where is, you, yeah, you you are that's trying. The Pfizer baby. Yes, but then he no that that was pandemic P. No no no. I'm talking about that's a new game we're gonna be playing. We're not gonna be playing horse anymore, baby. It's gonna be Pfizer <laughs> or yeah, maybe yeah. vaccine. And the problem there, baby, having taught sixth graders, I can tell you. Sixth graders don't know how to spell vaccine. Is there two? Are there two C's? Are there two N's? Are there two I's? I don't know, baby. Yep. Uh, yeah. Dickie V, you're expelled from my household <laughs> for the next uh, for the next hour. Uh, yeah. So Paul George then just really solid game. I, I thought Pandemic P was gonna continue in the first quarter when he passed the ball to the referee, like he oh, like no. he passed it to oh, him no. in the corner. But then oh, he no. recovered so well in the second half. And I mean, when Paul George is playing well, he is one of the best basketball players. I mean, he just uh, he and, and a joy to watch. And it's it, again, I go back to uh, you know something we talked about a while ago about. Isn't there just something, you know, and of course I immediately, um, well, I guess this, this shows that I am so mesmerized by what Steph can do that this bothers me less with him, but it is unusual for me to really, really like an all-offense player. That for me, it's guys who, two-way players, guys who can really play offense and defense really well. Those are usually my, and we're kind of wingy. And, um, and that is my favorite kind of players. And that is why it's so shocking that last year's Clippers failed because they have depth, so not everyone's going to be off on a given yep. night. And then they have defense, which should keep you from losing a 3-1 series, but not the case. Uh, before we get to our winners, just quickly, Hawks have 83 points right now at halftime. <laughs> uh, who are the Hawks playing? Bulls. So, so Okay, so it's a little less impressive when, when you... you uh, I think you need yeah, but to. Trey Young has twenty-seven in the first half, so that's, that's a lot of points. Yeah, yeah, you, you can see that Hawks team like they put up a lot of points, and this year now with Gallinari and all the additions, they could definitely vie for that eighth spot. But who's your winner of the week? Oh, there's. It strikes me as absolute. I mean, it's it's tempting to say something like the Nets, but no, the the clear winner is Luke Kennard. Um, are you aware of what Luke Kennard's career per game points? But what his points per game career average is? Uh, no. It is 9.8. 9.8. Luke Kennard's high was last year when he had 28 games and he was at 15.8. But he it basically is essentially a 10 points a game scorer and he just got a four-year extension for $16 million a year on average across those four years. That's... <laughs> 
And, I, and I'm not bad-mouthing Luke Kennard. I'm saying he's the winner of the week. Yeah, Luke Kennard just got, got a lot of money, and I, and I do really like you not bad-mouthing Luke Kennard because I did the math. With Luke Kennard's contract, he could buy approximately one in every five Americans uh, an item from the Dollar Tree. So I was thinking about, so we have four people in our household, so I'm like, okay, we had a pretty good shot at that, but we, we got to be nice well, to Think Luke. of it this way. We're probably going to get an item from the Dollar Tree. Yeah, and we, uh, as Duke fans, I think we should have some kind of priority. We're the, we're the first, uh, we're the medical frontline workers of uh, Luke Kennard's Dollar Tree I think that's a good way of thinking about it. Yeah, it's bonkers. It's absolutely bonkers. I, 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 I don't understand. And, and again, it's not bad-mouthing Luke Kennard. It's just four years, $64 million, uh, for a guy who hasn't done anything in the NBA. And it's, I mean, it's, it's very clear there, you know, people are seeing, you know, incredible potential with him. But it's, if, I, if I remember correctly, he's not even shooting 40% overall from three. Um, which uh, I you mean, know he's shooting thirty nine. I mean, last year he shot thirty nine point nine. So he, which he's, is he's, which is good, but, but but I mean he's basically shooting forty. Would your opinion change? If oh he oh had oh! I, but no, I mean his career though. I mean last not last year he played twenty eight games. Yeah, fair point that he barely played last year. He was effective in those games though, fifteen point eight points. So, I mean, so so I'm, I'm looking at his three point percentage for. Okay, so yeah, no, I take it back. He's he's basically a forty percent shooter, and so I think that's that's what people are basically paying for um, is that he the, of the things he has shown, it, it is that he consistently hits just about forty percent. Um, so that's you know that that's but I guess my point is, uh, boy, for a guy who hasn't stayed healthy and hasn't contributed that much. I mean, I would have figured that it would have had to have been a few points above 40% for it to be, like, people to stop and go, oh my gosh, that's really something. Yeah, we had this conversation soon after draft night, I think on the podcast, about how uh, it was weird how in the three-way trade they swapped Landry Shannon for Luke Kennard, which I wasn't a big fan of, but it was trading uh, apples and other types, and a, and a what uh, Honeycrisp and uh, I can't think of another and green apple. We'll say red apples and green apples because I can't think of two. So you're apples. saying they 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 were apples for apples. Yeah, exactly. Like long distance shooters. Yeah, exactly. Shamit uh, had those injury issues a bit last year. He did play 53 games still, but uh, but, but career wise, I mean, here's the thing that that you know, career wise. Uh, Shamit is a better three-point shooter than Kennard is. So Kennard, yeah, slightly higher EFG for the career as well. Yeah, so so, so yeah, and and uh, uh, you know Shamit works hard on D. He, mm-hmm. he I, I did not understand that one, but but I mean, again, the winner here is Luke Kennard. He got four years, sixty-four million dollars. That's astonishing. Good for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. He he definitely won the week. If if the Clippers lost, we, we'll see. I suspect they did lose this extension. But that just is the weird thing about this. That uh, yeah. So I was on the side that they should have kept Shamit. But at the end of the day, I'm like, okay, they're not really swapping that much. These are similar players. I like Shamit for the youth and maybe slightly better stats. But then this extension is just very. It's strange. the extension that's it. 
when you sit there and you look at the trade, you're kind of like, I mean, like, I, I sit there and say, gee, I'd rather have Shamit. But, uh, like, I, I just never dreamt that they were moving in this direction with the extension. So here's the, here, here's the perspective from J Jerry West and Steve Ballmer that they, that, so he's, so this is his fourth season, so I would assume he's hitting, he would be hitting restricted free agency this upcoming offseason. So then th their thought is he's going to break out, someone's going to want him for like a $100 million offer sheet, so we're getting a bargain right now that's going to lock him up for the next good while. And th But that's really the only philosophy I could use, and so it's weird to think that Shamit will uh, play that well. By the, by the way, Luke Kennard in, uh, in Basketball Reference Nicknames, he joins... Uh, Devil and Hodges as Duck. All right. Yeah. So I mean, I, I would trade for a for a Duck for sure. <laughs> it's, it's like I, I mean, I mean, Kyle Korver got traded for got traded on draft night for a printer. They say like that's yes. what the cash considerations were used for. Uh, so, so Landry yeah. Shannon was traded for a Duck. Um, <laughs> I mean, who knows? Maybe. Uh... I guess we'll see in the future how this all turns out. Um, but for now, the clear winner is Luke Kennard. He's the only person who's obviously winning in all of this. But there is a world where this does... It seems way too risky for the Clippers, especially with their recent barrage of extensions, like that big Paul George Max we talked about last week. Yeah. But it, I can see this working out well, that Kennard uh, breaks out right now. Basketball Reference projects him 16.4 points. So if if he does break out like that, then we could look back on this as a bargain because maybe he Absolutely. does command that big contract. And yeah, I mean, you know, people point to the Warriors, the initial extension the Warriors worked out with um, Steph Curry, uh, if I remember right, it was something like four or five years for about eleven million a year, and that wow. was yeah. Early on, it was Steph had been coming off his ankle injuries, and because Steph was getting paid so little. It gave the Warriors extraordinary flexibility to do other things. Um, and so, you know, you, you make bets on people. And so maybe this is, you know, it, it's clear a lot of people love Luke Kennard. They think he's really good. So maybe this is going to be something. Um, I've, I've never seen it. Um, but, you know, again, putting all that stuff aside, the one clear winner is Luke Kennard. Who's your winner? European Union, they're going to get so much money. I, I don't know how they, because Giannis and Rudy Gobert do live in the United States, but I'm not sure if they can <laughs> grab some kind of cut of that because both of them ink 200 plus million dollar extensions this Basically, week. the two of them combined are going to get close to half a billion dollars yep. over five years. Um, that's pretty good. Yeah, it, it is. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you want to start talking, uh, yeah, let's see. In 2018, the UK's gross contribution to the EU amounted to $20 billion. So if they donate all their money, they would make up, or £20 million, pounds, that is, slightly more. So if, if Giannis and Gobert pooled all their money, in, uh, they, they could slightly, slightly, slightly uh, cover like a percentage of what Britain might be uh, pulling out of. That's true. They could, they could... Um uh be the natural response to brexit um, mm -hmm. that's right uh, you know i am just thrilled that Giannis is staying in milwaukee i think that's just really 
first of all, I think that's just lovely. I just think it's really cool when players stay um, in places where they are beloved, and it just it's so good for the community. And uh, you know, we talked about this before. Milwaukee has Milwaukee has had a tough road as a professional sports city. They, in general, have done very poorly. Um, the, the, the greatest success in the state of Wisconsin uh, for their sports teams have typically been the Green Bay Packers, which, you know, is not exactly Milwaukee. Um, I, and Giannis just seems like a really cool guy. Um, no, the whole thing, it's, and it's, this is a big one. We, we talked a bunch recently about the direction of the NBA, of the, the play, it all being about the players and everything. And ultimately, I think this, there, there is a danger with the NBA. I think there's a danger that um, there's, there isn't going to be the love for the NBA that there once was because you're not going to have communities you know, wrapping their arms around teams in the way that they used to. Um, and um, I, I just think this is a beautiful thing. I, I, I actually, no, I'm not exaggerating when I say that. So I think it's lovely. Yeah, plus these two guys combined could buy every American more than one item from the dollar store. Well, that's the most important <laughs> yes, so, thing. So I, want, I want my one thing from the dollar store. <laughs> exact number is uh, $228 million and uh, for Giannis and then 205 for Gobert, both five-year contracts. Um, this is, I'm really excited because I really want that one thing from the dollar store. Yeah, so what, what are you thinking? I'm, I'm considering milk duds. Uh, I want some tape. I think some 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 um, really um, mediocre Scotch tape, you know, Scotch not Scotch brand, of course, because that they wouldn't sell that at the dollar store, but some some invisible tape. I, I think that would be really great. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, what do you use the tape for? Um, yeah, that's that's a good question. I'm I'm gonna work on that. <laughs> um, you know, may, maybe I'll I'll uh, oh I can tape shut the envelope I got from the Dollar Tree um, that didn't have um, any of that sealing glue. Um, so I'm going to need some tape to seal the envelopes <laughs> I got from the Dollar Tree. Uh-huh. Didn't the Dollar Tree have, like, a bunch of closing? I think just Rudy Gobert and Giannis could bring this back. Like, there could, like you've heard, you might have heard about Jimmy Butler and <laughs> Big Face Coffee. But this, is, this is the new... Uh, these guys being small business or large corporation pioneers. So, yeah, for the Bucks, Giannis... This is a huge win for both sides. Giannis, I mean, he would have commanded this much money anyways, where we saw it with Durant, where despite one of the worst injuries you can imagine on a basketball court, pretty much every team in the NBA would kill to have him on that max. And we would see the same thing with Giannis if he had a catastrophic injury, didn't sign the extension. But it is still good to see st staying home, taking pretty much as much money as he could get, five years, $228 million, that's a lot of money. It's it's wild. Um, the it, it's just it's cool. It, it's really nice, and and I'm trying to remember. I mean, when's the last time somebody did the full extension in a smaller market? Paul George. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Fair point. I. I uh, uh, yeah, that, that when's the last time someone uh, took the full extension in a small market or and uh, stayed more than a year? Yeah, I guess I was thinking more about Played ones where the the player had actually been in the market for a while, like was an actual, like sort of the homegrown kind of thing. Um, I can't remember. Uh, a case. Westbrook. 
Good call. Westbrook definitely Yeah, was. Westbrook is the one. Westbrook and Curry, I think, are the only guys of this generation who have basically played out their contracts or at least stayed until their teams traded them. Um, and that will bum me out so much oh, if Curry ever... Go- Gobert joins the list now. Yeah, that's, no, that's a good point. Now, Gobert's an interesting one. Um, yeah, it makes sense. Um, this is going to hamstring the team's ability to get better. Um, they are going to have, you know, many more limitations. Um, Gobert is, Gobert is the only guy I can think of, the only center I can think of who dominates the defensive end the way he does in today's game. Um, the fact that he really, um, I mean, even Embiid doesn't seem to control the rim the way that um, that Gobert does. I guess I just like AD more as a general defender because he does bring that same verticality, I guess, but he can also come out to the perimeter. Well, I mean, AD, but at the same time, he doesn't control the rim on defense the way that Gobert does. Uh-huh. I mean, but the thing I, that I, um, I've just never quite understood with Gobert, um, now, given that he came into the league with such limited offense, I guess I shouldn't be surprised, but I always feel like, in a way... Um, you know, if you have the physical skills to be a great defensive player, which in terms of just pure physicality, um, there's nothing in basketball, I feel like, that involves more physicality and and intelligence than, than defense. I am so surprised that somebody with that skill set isn't better on offense. Yeah, or we have the reverse conversation with... Jokic, where when you or just when you have such great IQ on one side mm-hmm. of the ball, it seems like you should carry that over just because you are a smart basketball player. You know how it works. You know how players pass, move the ball, everything. But you know, I mean, what people probably will say about somebody like Jokic is, oh, he isn't that fast. He can't, you know, his his verticality isn't that mm-hmm. great. You don't say that about Gobert. Gobert, in right. terms of the Go- physical Gobert, t- tools, yeah, Go- Gobert perfectly fits the mold. Where if you if you put him up in a criminal examination room or just some just one of those just cells where you where you just have someone it's, it's just based on their look you see uh yeah that that guy uh that that doesn't look like a bad offensive player it looks right, like he can exactly. muscle it in and play the post now when you see him move around on offense though <laughs> yeah it's a little do. clumsy it's very clumsy which is weird given how not clumsy he looks on defense well I'd say he, I mean, he can't, his mobility isn't great on defense. He just completely controls the post. You're saying you wish he could control the post on offense as well? Sure. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's, I feel like if he could take just a half notch jump, by, by which I mean just a, a leap in terms of his offensive skill, Utah would become a different team. Like mm-hmm. if he really could just take it up just a half notch, Utah would be so much stronger, and that would be very exciting. Right, but then this is kind of a risky contract just just because of the money for someone. Because that kind of money, you assume, all-NBA or maybe a younger player. He's 28, so he will be completing this contract like at age 34 or so. Oh, oh. which is going to be brutal. Does this? Uh... You, you don't like year five of this contract? No, I hate year five yeah. of this contract. Uh huh. For, for sure. So, so this is. But that's the thing. You it, don't. You don't. You you're you're always paying for the 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 first two to three years of these contracts. Right, but with Gobert, is it worth paying for the first two to three years? Given that 
uh, he's probably not going to make any more big jumps. And I mean, he... the fact is, at this point, um... okay, he he did make All NBA last year. I mean, he, he's a very good basketball player. I mean, he's tremendous. I mean, I, I'm just sitting here thinking about uh, what do you, what do you, that team, it, they, they need something else. They need one more thing. And that one more thing could be Gobert taking a half step up in terms of his offensive skill level. It strikes me as unlikely, um, but... And, and in um, fairness, no no one big, I mean, they got Boyan Bogdanovich this past offseason, but no one big, big is signing with Utah, so locking up the few homegrown superstars you have is smart. Um, yeah. Um, you meant they re-signed him. Uh, yeah, they're just, keep, just keeping him in. Yeah. Um, yeah, they... Well, with Bogdanovich, I was saying they brought him in, but just last summer bringing him in from Indiana. Oh, I see, from the year before. I see. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, Mitchell, uh, by the way, in those um, in those back and forth between him and Murray in the playoffs, right? Murray gets th- Murray, quote unquote, won the playoffs because he made the next round and got to continue making memories in that Clipper series. But he was, but Mitchell was on his level, if not above it, in that first I mean, round series. Mitchell is, in a lot of ways, r- reminding me of kind of a baby Jordan. I mean, you know, they, there's always this talk about you know who's the who's the baby Jordan. Um, and that was the, and that was the comparison he was getting after placing second on the playoff scoring list single game behind uh, your truly Michael Jordan. That makes it sound like Michael Jordan has entered the house as well. But yeah. we got Dickie <laughs> B, we got Michael Jordan. It's a basketball paradise. That is right. Okay, we'll take a quick break. Be right back for some losers and things to watch. Okay, welcome back. First yeah. time, long time, baby. We just went to break and came back. That's all right. Oh, sorry, baby. <laughs> yeah, so I was just rereading some of my sixth grade textbooks, baby. Yeah, so now time for some losers. Uh, Not me, baby. Who lost I'm the week? I'm just positive. Nothing but winning here. Who lost the week? Um, okay, no, I'm gonna actually. You said it's. So the first thing was winners. I'm gonna talk about a total loser, James Harden. Give me a break. Wow, that's fire. Give me a break. This is so upsetting. First of all, I mean, okay, so there's the whole thing with him, you know, trying to get his way out of Houston. But the way he's doing it and going get going maskless to a strip club doesn't seem smart. At this particular time, this has got nothing actually just putting aside the whole the yeah, I mean, when you just add on the fact that he's doing this in part to get out of a, you know, his position in Houston is grotesque. Right. And, and if, also, if he wanted like, to get out of Houston, he should just keep trying to eating things. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the other thing, I mean, so what you're doing, too, is you're making it so teams will give up less for you, which, of course, is going to turn Houston off. But the, the bigger thing is we're in a pandemic. Come on, man. What are you doing? There are people dying. Um, you know, so there, three hundred twenty-five thousand people have died, and this guy is going to strip clubs, partying without a mask. It, it's just, it's grotesque. Can we get James Harden in one of those wear a mask commercials, though? <laughs> that would be good. Yeah. That would be. I'd like to have C.J. McCollum yelling over, "Hey, James, <laughs> put on a mask, man." <laughs> yeah, uh, McCollum has definitely been a 
good signing responsibility. By the way, I love CJ McCollum. Yeah, comes off so well in studio. In Just ESPN. in every way, he comes off awesome. CJ is so cool. But James Harden comes off as a horrible human being doing this. Yeah, so, at least from this This is past. gross. Or, or yeah, from the, this hasn't been... Not just this week, but maybe the entire, basically since really the playoffs where that series should not have been that close with Oklahoma City. Then they get demolished by the Lakers, and then he hasn't looked great in the offseason as he kind of, as he demands his way out. No, this is, I mean, and this one just goes way beyond, you know, any sort of, this this goes beyond kind of the basketball thing. This is just, you, you shouldn't... My goodness, the thing of the things you could be doing right now to be doing this. And also, I mean, this is really important in terms of right now is a time when people, you know, role models should be modeling behavior for the rest of us and helping keep us all safe. And the number of, you know, when you hear about the ICUs filling up and there not being enough hospital beds for people, it's grotesque. By the way, I, I wanted to uh, raise an issue that I find it really interesting that the leagues have avoided addressing so you know james harden is kind of the poster boy for athletes attend you know going to strip clubs right you could say that uh given that charts have been mapped yeah, with his performances exactly which i think is just so fantastic uh, the, the analysis of how james harden does in towns uh while uh evaluating the, the supposed quality of their strip clubs um it is so interesting, though. You think of all the areas in which um, athletic leagues have tried to set up sort of, you know, moral, you know, sense of, you know, uh, appropriate behavior, and they're quick to, you know, come down on athletes who do different things. This is an area, though, that league offices appear to want to have nothing to do with. And I'm just sort of wondering if this is, you know, power of athletes or is it just the fact that this is something that is unlikely to turn off, um, you know, the, the, you know, the core fan bases, you know, kind of young fan bases of a lot of, you know, young male fan bases of sports leagues is, you know, is that, is that kind of thing? Um, but the fact that they, you know, the sports leagues haven't touched it is really interesting. Uh-huh. For sure. This, uh, they have not had interest, I guess, in... They, they fined Harden $50,000, but... But they didn't fine him for going to a strip club. They'll never find somebody yeah. for going to a strip club. And by the way, I'm not sitting here... I mean, I, I actually... I have a lot of reasons that I think strip clubs are not a good idea, but... Not be you know not out of some sort of you know sense of you know uh, we have to <laughs> yeah, some just, sort of just innocence from, just from the pandemic sense though yeah that, uh, Harden can keep paying that and it may eat out of our dollar store out of the number of people he gives oh, items for the point. dollar store but uh, I mean instead it'll go to charity so unfortunately uh, despite the fact that Kyrie says it won't <laughs> yeah uh, despite being the vice president of the Players Association. So unfortunately, instead of us getting uh, milk duds, uh, what like uh, kids will get lunch and stuff. Oh, I it, may it, may, it makes me sick. I may yeah. get tape that is actually going the wrong direction, <laughs> and I'm gonna have to move it around on the piece of on the tape dispenser. Yeah, this charity stuff though. <laughs> no, but I mean, anyway, I I find it really interesting. You will not see the league offices dealing with it, but I mean, I'm just imagining something like this. 
you know, if something like, if it came out that athletes were going to strip clubs, you know, very ostentatiously during, say, the 1950s in baseball, you know, the, the commissioner would have had a fit and the owners would have had a fit. And it's just, it's such a mark of the difference in uh, the way... Does it really matter, though? No, well, yeah, it matters. When you say does it matter, what do, do you does, mean? does the strip club argument matter? I mean, because the players should be allowed to do what they want Absolutely. as long as it no, doesn't no, no. violate. This is not me coming down as some sort of, as the morality police. I, this is not, oh, the league should come down on it. What I'm saying is it's interesting that with all the things that leagues, you know, say are okay and, say, and, and you know, come down on players for doing, it's a real sign of, you know, the fact that th- this, this sort of thing... Leagues don't want to get involved with. Yep. They don't want to sit there. They, they actually are getting really nervous about this kind of thing. And actually, I suspect that they would rather that the whole strip club thing just went away. Like it was something that, that was getting much less attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd agree. Okay, for my loser, uh, so my loser is... Oh, wait, and before you do, yeah. I just want to say again, it's not that James Harden is good. My, I'm, James Harden is not a loser because he goes to strip clubs. He is a loser because in a gnarly pandemic where hundreds of thousands of people are dying, he's, well, first of all, he is going in and congregating with, you know, countless other people during it, uh, during this time. But that he's doing it without a mask as well is just gross. Okay. By the way, uh, do we know who evaluated the strip clubs? Like, is there Rotten Tomatoes for strip clubs? You know, it's, I believe it was somebody on Reddit. And yeah, but did, did, did have they gone to every strip club in America? I believe they actually pulled it from some sort of quote unquote <laughs> reputable source of yeah, yes, evaluating re- yeah, strip clubs. Yeah, reputable source that evaluates strip clubs across America is an oxymoron. And it wasn't the strip club specifically. I believed it was cities evaluating cities on the likely quality of their strip clubs. Anyway, this is exactly what one should be talking about with. A fourteen-year-old kid. So I clearly, <laughs> I clearly, well. I, I clearly steered this in a good direction. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, uh, Kyrie and Harden past couple weeks have uh, made it their mission to silence the doubters, or they've had some kind of they've had cryptic Instagram posts like that. So for me, the doubters have been silenced. Not about those guys, but about uh, R.J. Barrett. He was spectacular today. 11 for 15 from the field, 3 for 3 from 3 point, 26 points. Some people might say he he's improved in two years, which is a pretty ridiculous conspiracy theory. Why wasn't he doing this at Duke? <laughs> um, uh, I, I, I guess what I would actually say is nothing about his performance at Duke would lead me to believe that he would do something like this on a regular basis. That's actually, I, it, it wasn't just that he wasn't doing it at Duke. It, in my incredibly uh, expert view, um, there, and, and I'm being totally sarcastic when I say that, I just didn't see anything about him that suggested he could play this well. And I, I actually will be surprised if he is sort of an all-star caliber player. And so I think... There are a lot of players who end up putting up pretty big stats at points in their careers, you know, for over a couple games. It strikes me as unlikely that this will be a, a, a steady, regular thing. But, right, but can't you see him as a total Dion Waiters, Jeff Green type heat check guy 
where he goes completely off the radar for two months, and then uh, every little while a, a new uh, 20, 30 point game pops up on Sports Center. Sure, stuff like that, absolutely. But yeah, he, he, I, yeah, but, I, I agree but that's that, like that's called being an NBA player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, These guys sure. are so talented. For, for sure, but I, I see that as a potential for him to be that kind of heat check guy. I agree that I don't see him doing it consistency. So my take is this is absolutely horrible for the New York Knicks organization because also they lost. Like if he's going to do that, at least I would hope they they would win because uh, they lost to the Pacers, and not a bad loss by any means. But What was the rest of their stat line, of his stat line? Uh. Eight rebounds, five assists, one turnover, minus ten, uh, plus minus. Okay. And, and so, uh, Knicks, it wasn't a great game, uh, and and so it's just if he's gonna do this, I want, I would like the Knicks to win those games, and so if they're gonna lose, they're, they're basically screwing themselves over for the next two weeks because now RJ Barrett's gonna think he does that every night, so <laughs> then it's just, it's just gonna be horrible for them. Um, I certainly would be surprised if the Knicks do much positive this year. So I guess how I would finish it. I guess uh, I would suspect R.J. Barrett is going to have some monster games like this one, and Obi Toppin is going to be pretty fun. Yeah, Toppin was pretty quiet tonight, only nine points. But yeah, I, I, I hope he does something, but Barrett... We'll see. Uh, I'm still not super enthusiastic, but I know you're mentioning. I think Dave Zirin likes uh, RJ for the most. Yeah, I found that so really interesting. And possible. you know, he's a he's a New York guy, so you know, and and maybe maybe I'm just still mad at RJ Barrett over a couple of games when he was at Duke. And I'm just, or, uh, you're thinking Gonzaga game at Maui, and then, I'm thinking um, exactly, and then Michigan State. Those are the two that stand out. But I I felt this way about other games as well, um, and maybe you know I. I Given that I don't do this professionally, and that he was the number two pick, number three—I'm sorry, number three pick in the NBA draft—I, you know, I should probably show a little humility in my ability to evaluate talent. Uh huh. In- interesting take. I-, I prefer just spitting out whatever comes to mind. But, <laughs> but, uh, to each his own. <laughs> yeah. So next, we'll see. I, I, in the summer, we did just. I don't know why, like, we could have talked about any team, but I chose, hey, I want to talk about the Knicks. And it was just a really depressing half hour of what yeah, is this franchise that doesn't sound do. very fun. Yeah, so we'll see. I think we're going to see more from the highlight reel than we will from the standings. But by, Oh, by the way, on that front, I totally expect R.J. Barrett to average 20 points a game this year. But um, they, I, they strike me as likely. Um, Bill Simmons oftentimes talks about empty calorie uh, stat lines um, that, and that's especially true in the NBA where you do you're, you're just gonna get to a certain number of points that just happens, and so that's gonna have to be filled up by someone. Yeah, and so Randall is good, Robinson is good, Toppin I like, but we'll see. It's it's just the Knicks. So simultaneously, my loser is the doubters, the Knicks, and R.J. Barrett. Despite the doubters, the Knicks, and R.J. Barrett all <laughs> partially winning. <laughs> Nice. Okay, finally, uh, your thing to watch. You're not going to like it. Um, I feel pretty confident that the cancellation of his Thunder 
rockets, right? Yep. That is a trend. That that is the beginning of a significant pattern, and we are going to see that um, not infrequently. That this. That's a, the, the, the word you're looking for is frequently. Yeah. Well. <laughs> but I, no, I don't. I don't. But I. I don't mean frequently. Um, right. Good. I mean, because it's not going to happen constantly. Frequently suggesting it's going to be, you know... <laughs> oh, oh uh, again, my paper game got canceled. Yeah. Yeah, but I... Um, this is, this The next few months are going to... I was going to use... If, if, if this were an adult show with a, with a beep thing... Um, yeah, beep. Yeah, I was going to use um, a word beep. involving the type of show I'm expecting to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I guess if, if you were still, um, five years old, I would say that we are approaching a poop show. Um, this is, this is going to be really an ugly time that this is in general in the United States. This is a brutal period, um, where people are just getting this virus constantly. And, uh, particularly when you're, you know, you're dealing with 20 something, you know, 20 something men. Um, and that's our depressing thing to watch. Yeah, that's our depressing thing to watch. That I think this is actually we're going to see this a lot over the next uh, two to three months. Uh huh. Uh, yeah, that that is a thing. NBA decided not to come out of the bubble, burst that, and so now they do risk much more cancellations if like there is irresponsibility or or just just whatever happens. I mean, I mean, sometimes, I mean, it, just, yeah, sometimes it just happens. I, right? I mean, it, Harden, it seemed like this was definitely a mistake on, on his part, but. For the most part, you, it's not, oh, he got COVID, what an idiot, he might, just, there is a lot that can happen. You know, and in Harden's case, I mean, you know, remember, he had COVID this summer. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, his view might be, hey, I already got it, I'm immune now. Mm-hmm. Um, and the problem, to a large degree, is less about his likelihood of getting COVID at this point, and his more teammates. just... Well, it's his team. Well, I mean, just... Ooh. Dude, you, you are a role model. Mm-hmm. At this point, we need people to be modeling behavior. Yep. Uh, yeah, like NBA players could have play, played doubles ping pong that wouldn't have endangered anything in the bubble, but part of it was about setting an example. On to my thing to watch, though. NBA awards. Uh, just kind of preseason, always get some Fun. chirping. Love uh, these. Who, any bold predictions? Uh, bold predictions. It's right now hard to imagine somebody other than the Lakers winning the the title, but that's not what you're asking about. You're asking about awards. Um, wow. Wait, wait, wait. Okay. First, then I've got something for you. Rank these three in order uh, of likelihood of the field winning. Uh, Chiefs, Gonzaga, um, Chiefs, Gonzaga, Lakers. Great question. What a wonderful question. So your question is... This team versus the field, in for each of those, which one is the field the most likely to win? Yeah. Uh, let's see. I, I'd, I'd go Gonzaga first just because it's college basketball. College basketball, just anything can happen. So the field is, boy, I don't know, because no, Gonzaga is so good. Um, I say the field is most likely to win in the NBA. And it is least likely to, with the NCAA, uh, 
And that is a statement about how good I think Gonzaga is. By the way, what an ending. I was just checking in on this. Giannis got fouled with uh, 0.4 seconds to go down to makes the first free throw, misses the second. Celtics win by a point. Wow, very exciting. So fun. They, those two, those two teams, I mean, just, I really hope they play in the playoffs because that's going to be a blast. Yep, for sure. So anyway, so so my answer, though, is I think the field is most likely to win in the NBA and least likely to win in the NCAA. And this totally against, goes against everything I know about sports, that there's so much parity in the NFL, and um, the NBA, to a large degree, is predictable in terms of the best team winning. And in the NCAA, it's so crazy. You never know who's going to win. Right. NBA, may, I mean, if... We are assuming the teams are as good, which obviously isn't true. Then the NBA would be uh, definitely the most likely because they play seven-game series, whereas mm-hmm. right. NFL and college basketball just takes that one mistake. But yeah, so Luca right now the favorite to win MVP. I know. Well, well who, we were, what did you think about in answer to your question? Uh, yeah, I'd put the Chiefs most. Chiefs uh, would be most likely to win. Like if uh, and then. Gonzaga least likely to, even though I do think they're hands down the best team in the country, and then Lakers right in the middle. Uh, but then, uh, that's an excellent question, though. Then Luca for MVP, he's the favorite right now, and we're high on Luca, I know, but I, I know you don't like this, uh, this one bit. Yeah, I mean that's, you know, I guess the 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 things you need to have happen. Partly, I mean, so okay, so. People talk about how uh, it's narrative that wins MVP awards to some degree, and so Luca's going to have that going for them. That meaning, you know, people like to have some sort of story about a player, and um, you know, people are already are talking about, oh yeah, Luca, you know, he, he's ready to, to you know be the next big thing, and everybody's all set for that. I guess the the problem with it is Dallas will have to do better than it did last year in terms of, you know, for, for otherwise people are going to take points away from Luca on the MVP kind of thing. The other thing is, um, I mean, do you, I expect Giannis to get better. And uh, so if Giannis gets better than he was last year, how does he not win MVP? So that's my answer. Because narrative, I mean. No, no, I'm saying. So, just, so yeah. I'm saying not narrative. I'm saying, mm-hmm. I'm saying, just flat out. Giannis was the MVP this past season. Um, he, he just was for reasons we talked about on an earlier podcast, and uh, I don't see. I mean, what Luca's going to have to do to overcome that? Dallas is going to have to be better than it was last year. And Luca's going to have to be better than it was last year, and both, and, and so b- by better I mean Dallas is going to have to win more games, and Luca's going to have to basically put up a triple double. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know about that because I don't know how much of their success is dependent on his passing and rebounding output, but definitely the scoring will need to be unbelievable. The Bucks. One other thing would be that maybe Giannis's supporting cast is going to be used against him where now there's Middleton, there's Drew Holiday, and then like today Brooke Lopez was plus twenty two plus minus even though they lost. Wow. That's that's something. Um I'm looking up so Lucas stats by the way for last year. 
Um, Luca's stats. I mean, here's... Okay, so... So, Luca went for... This is crazy. <laughs> so, the reason why I say he's going to have to go for a triple-double... And he's not only going to have to go for a triple-double, he's going to have to average over 30 points a game. Um, so... As I said, he's going to have to be better than last year. Like, his stats are going to have to be even more eye-popping. Last year, he averaged 28.8 points, 8.8 assists, and 9.4 rebounds. So if Luka is better, that means he's averaging 30 and averaging a triple-double. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, what would you guess his three-point shooting percentage is? Uh, okay, I just had Luka's basketball reference out, but I, I didn't see, so I'll guess... It wasn't very good, I know. August 33. His first season, it was 32.7. Last year, it was 31.6. Like yeah, that. so he is going to be a high-volume guy where that can be used against him later in his career that maybe the percent, the efficiency wasn't as good like Kobe. Yeah, although as he goes along, he, he kind of... Uh, his his three-point shooting reminds me a little bit of Jason Kidd, um, just the way it kind of looks. Um, in a lot of ways, he, he actually... I hadn't thought of this before. Uh, in a lot of ways... Uh, he and Jason Kidd have a lot of similarities in the types of in the ways that they played. Although Jason Kidd was a much better defensive player, um, but Luca is a much better offense. player. Luca's just a yeah. much better scorer than Jason. Luca was a better offensive player at seventeen years old than than Jason Kidd ever was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Then other awards. So what what do you think? Uh... I don't know. It's tough because those Lakers will cancel each other out. That's the big and thing. That's the, the the what makes it hard is you want. I mean, gosh, AD was so good in the playoffs. That guy was the best player well, it, in the world, it's, it's, except for LeBron. It's tough because yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna campaign for AD. I'm gonna campaign for LeBron, and those wind up canceling out. Yeah, totally. Uh, and then that's just what everybody points to. It's actually the bigger thing is not even the campaigning. It's just. Well, what makes the Lakers so great? Well, that's hard to say because they're both there. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, if, if you give me, oh, here, let me talk about AD. All this yeah. is incredible. Oh, here, let me talk about LeBron. All this is great. Yeah. Uh, then just a couple dark horses for you and other awards. Well, wait, so, but who do you have? Uh, I had to pick. I guess I'll go Luka, but you're right that it. It seems difficult, and he sh- he just shouldn't. Even though I'm picking him, it just feels like he shouldn't be the favorite. I don't know. So who do you pick then? Fine, Luca. Okay. Uh, All but, right. So then, so here we got to remember this on uh, in d- late December 2020. You're picking Luca, and I'm picking Giannis. I don't like my Luca pick that much, but I, I just can't see it happening. With I mean, Giannis. it's not a bad. Not, pick. Not because, I mean, he's amazing. Not because of, yeah, I know, but not because of its of his quality of play, but just because of the sheer obstacles to winning. Absolutely. By the way, I really, you know, Luca's one. Okay, so he's going to be advantaged compared to other players um, in terms of his ability to bounce back. He, first of all, is used to playing two gazillion games a year, and he is also so young that he can bounce back more easily. But he's somebody who really could have used a long off. Now, the danger is, you know, he has a, in the past, he's come into uh, camp a little overweight. Um, so he could, you know, maybe in that respect, it's good that he didn't have too long an off season. But he's somebody who, man, if this dude can get his three-point shot 
rolling. So if he could spend a few months just working on his three-point shooting, he he really will be like a top six player if that if that three-point shot starts hitting 40%. And seriously, name, uh, name a problem that's easier to fix than... Uh, losing weight because you can you could put me just on a treadmill and I, and I could <laughs> like it's it's just it's that easy that uh that you're just that conditioning is much easier than if there was just a Absolutely, systemic totally flaw with just how he plays or something yeah uh so then just a couple other ones this was definitely backed up by opening night but i like how lavert plays i, I can see him as a mm. definite sixth man because that nets offense could be one of the best yeah totally and then <sighs> trey young most improved I mean, that's hard to, I mean, again, the problem is given his statistics, you know, just from a statistical perspective, I actually can't imagine a way Trey Young could be most of You're right that it's hard for him to ramp up those stats when he averaged uh, almost 30 points last year, 29.6. It would just be, this would be a little bit more narrative-based because really if he was going to get it, it might have been for last year's performance a little bit more where he jumps up 10 points, but narratively... If it's, gee, suddenly this Hawks team, they're a playoff team, and this is the most booming offense, and, oh, who's it led by? Trey Young. That, that guy was kind of a non-factor last year. I mean, he was hardly on national TV or whatever. Huh. I think the more likely thing in that scenario that you just laid out is he becomes you know, a top seven MVP candidate. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, I just think back, one of the biggest improvements I ever saw by an NBA player was Steph from MVP1 to MVP2. Because MVP one was a solid MVP season. MVP two was that was one of the greatest seasons anybody's yeah. ever had, and he was doing things on a on a daily basis that almost nobody's ever done once. <laughs> I mean, it was it's like Dame Lillard has done the things that Steph, you know, Dame Lillard a few times has done the things that Steph was doing every day that year. Right, just the four hundred two numbers, incredible that he was yeah. averaging five threes a game, pretty much. Uh, but, yeah, and then, so then, coach of the year, again, maybe Lloyd Pierce, if that team makes the playoffs because yeah, of the narrative. that's then a tough one. Monty Williams and Rick Carlisle, because I can see those teams jumping. It's, it's really just buying stock in the team and then going to their coach. Yeah, that's, that's a really tough one. I mean, what it is is this, so what it really is is who overperforms. So, uh, overperforms what they've done in the past. So Monty Williams makes a lot of sense for that. You know who's going to actually already, after after yesterday, is going to get a ton of attention? Steve Nash. Steve Nash, if, you know, if they keep playing the way they did yesterday, then Steve Nash starts getting a ton of attention for that kind of thing. Particularly as, you know, people, and what the narrative there is going to be. By the way, anybody who uses narrative too much or optics uh, is well, going to get the, slapped the, the, around. The thing is, we're not using narrative to actually make our. No, decision. Right, right, right. We're using narrative to make predictions about how. That's the thing. People the like to out. use a narrative in the process, and so what people are going to do is talk about how, oh, look, look how unselfish Kyrie is being, and look how fantastically he's getting the eleven man, you know, rotation to buy in, and everybody's willing to, you know, do their part. That's that's what they'll talk about with Steve Nash. Mm-hmm. But wait, that, that's actually not possible. Wouldn't wouldn't Kyrie and KD win Coach of the Year? <laughs> nice. Or, or yeah. Uh, well, no, actually, because it changes by day. Yeah, that, that's true. They might have uh, 
Timothy Luau Cabarro go out to... Yeah, so maybe what they do is they could have multiple guys win Coach of the Week. Mm Mm-hmm, yeah. Uh, Yeah, you might have heard of uh, Coach... uh, Yeah, so Luau Cabarro is still on the Nets. So, yeah, you might have heard of, you know, the the Eastern Conference Player of the Month or something, but the Brooklyn Nets uh, Coach of the Week, there's a category for you. Uh, And then finally, Rookie of the Year, any... Predictions? Oh boy! I mean, from the sound of it, it it's uh, that Obi Toppin is by far the most likely. I mean, I could I could imagine a scenario where Lamelo um, ends up getting it just because yeah, these those two guys combine highlight reel minutes. Yeah, uh, yeah those and, two things and uh, poor uh, group around them, meaning that they have more opportunities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but there could be someone that comes out of nowhere. I mean, Ja did not come out of nowhere. I mean, he did in college, but not for that. Yeah. He was the number two pick, but the Grizzlies as a team came out of nowhere yeah. a little bit, and so you can see a team doing that, uh, who it'll be. But, like, if Kyra Lewis for New Orleans or just someone like that, I, I don't, I'm still not totally buying on Lewis. A lot of Orleans, years, but. people just aren't, aren't, just aren't happy with the choices, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it ends up being, I mean, if... You know, somebody that people are kind of like, huh, that guy? Never heard of him. Like, you know, Michael Carter-Williams winning it. Um, the year... Yeah, and he made the Final Four the previous year. Right. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm of, just pointing out the fact that exactly, maybe... Exactly. Oh, there's a guy I know all the If I remember right, the year uh, Embiid was a rookie because he only played about five minutes, uh, Malcolm Brogdon ended up winning it, despite, you know, not having a fantastic year. Um, so a lot of years, people are not real thrilled with the options. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll see. Okay, uh, we'll see you next week, old man, for some more NBA. For some Pfizer, baby! Yep, see you then, Dickie V. Okay, welcome back. Now uh, we have some college basketball. Logan, been an interesting week last night. We're coming off uh, that, not even great, but pretty dominant win for Kansas over West Virginia. Uh, first thoughts on that? Um, I think you should admit that they're better than a good team now. Yeah, okay. Kansas is a top three seed, but I still do like West Virginia. The sh- shooting output they had from Sean McNeil in the first half was great. And so if they can sustain that scoring impact from him or Taz Sherman or just a second scorer besides Miles McBride, that would be huge because I know they have the defense. I know they have the rebounding. They're going to need to score some points to beat the really good teams like we saw them lose to Gonzaga and Kansas and some of these other high-powered teams. Uh, I think it's I'm, it's where they would have like a like scoring issues with like how balanced their lineup. It seems like that would take the pressure off of McBride and it's I don't know. It seems like with their sort of um, three level scoring attack, they'd be more effective offensively. Yeah. Just a lot of that rebounding does come or a lot of that scoring does come from offensive rebounds actually. So when that's not going, Kansas was very good on the boards. They are a good rebounding team. Then it's going to be uh, harder. Uh, yeah. So they do have four double digit scorers with Derek Culver, uh, Sean McNeil, and Taz Sherman as well. But McBride really is the only guy you can trust on a night-to-night basis. And so Sheboy just not being able to really score, where maybe just a couple tip-ins and stuff is all he really brings on the offensive end. That hurts, but I, will, I, I still can't talk myself into West Virginia as a Final Four team. But I said this last night, if, if I had to pick four teams, uh, like bet my life on that uh, – 
make the Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight, I'd put West Virginia on that list because the way they control what the other three be Baylor for sure. Probably Gonzaga. Probably Gonzaga because they are because they just have the talent. They are the best team. But if 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 I find out they fall in the Sweet 16, that wouldn't be surprising because they have not been good on the defensive end. So yeah, I would go with Gonzaga, but then it's tough for me to choose Iowa because even though they are one of the best, even though they are in my top four teams in the country, because they maybe can't quite, I can't quite trust them there yet. So the fourth team goes to Michigan. Fourth team. We'll we'll just give it to the Billikens. uh, After that Minnesota loss, we'll get, we'll get to that later in a 10 watch, but I think they deserve some encouragement, some praise. And so uh, get back on their feet soon. Uh, so, Logan, thoughts on the week for Texas and Michigan in our uh, home report? Texas, easy win versus, I think, Sam Houston State. And then nail-biter uh, nail versus Oklahoma State, but we came out with the win. And, I mean, that's the kind of things I'm expecting to have this season in the Big 12. I've mentioned numerous times a very balanced conference this year. And, um we're going to have our fair share of nail biters. Just have to hope that we, I hope that we win our, um, our fair share of those. And Sunday was one of, an example of that in Michigan. We didn't. Yes, Sunday was great. That was a great game because uh, Texas plays a lot of good team basketball. We got to see kind of what I've been wanting to see a little bit of, which was just seeing Greg Brown on display. And then on the other end, uh, Cade Cunningham, who seems to always get in close games. He's uh, he's had the ball in his hands in key moments countless times. And maybe not at the end of the game, but he came through throughout. Uh, throughout he had 25 points. So, yeah, that, that's, a, that's a very good win. Big 12 play. That there will definitely be a lot of obstacles, but Texas looks like one of the, the best teams. Yeah, moving on to... Michigan, we didn't play, but we still moved up 16, six seeds in the AP poll. So I'll take that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, it really doesn't mean anything because the AP poll doesn't dictate our season, but I know it's kind of just satisfying to see like a number next year team be a little, uh, be a little higher. I guess yeah. lower technically. And also that does kind of some kind of sustainability throughout the season or at the end of the year because definitely when the committee does meet to figure out their brackets it's going to be mostly based on like a review of the entire season but that AP poll will get a little bit of a look like oh Michigan they finished the season 24th let's put them on that five six seven line instead of maybe eight or nine and they might stay a couple spots up because let's say they lose next week then it's okay uh that was a loss. We'll drop them six spots, and then they're back to where they were before that short week. So now, for me, uh, Duke had that nice win in South Bend. Just controlled that game. That, that's what I wanted to see, just a, a good overall performance. I'm really liking Jamin Breakfield. And then some of the cuts uh, the freshman was making, uh, can't uh, – Roach was playing. Jeremy Roach was playing really well, and DJ DJ Stewart's cuts were unbelievable. Where he was, he was just 
spraying in, getting great great looks near the hoop, and just a good overall game for them. Wisconsin, I cannot even for the life of me remember what happened to this team. My college basketball memory is around three seconds. Let's see. Uh, right, they beat Louisville dominantly on Saturday. That, that, that was nice to see as a Wisconsin fan, but maybe for my ACC, that was tough. And then beat in Nebraska. So just a pretty unceremonious week. That Louisville win, especially in the fashion it occurred, did look pretty good. And then St. Mary's obliterated by uh, San Diego State last night. And Cal came back from down double digits to beat Seattle. Congratulations, Casey, yep. beat Seattle. Yeah, this is our victory party episode. We don't we don't want to get too much into Cal's success because I, I just don't want people rubbing it into the uh, – I don't want to rub this into people's faces. Logan, has Michigan beaten uh, Seattle? Has, has Gonzaga beaten Seattle? Not that I know of. That's um, pretty lofty goals for us to aspire to. Yep, but, I mean, I always say if you if you work hard – one day, maybe you can get there. Uh, talking uh, about that San Diego State game, though, this brings me into my stocking stuff. So if you listened to our NFL yesterday, which you probably should, uh, we talked, uh, we did stocking stuffers and tree stars kind of. So uh, our stocking stuffers kind of something that went unnoticed, but still deserves a lot of recognition. So for me, it's San Diego State. This team had the, they, they had the upset uh, that they got upset. Uh, this game really, we were looking forward to this as, Hey, maybe if San Diego state finishes this, well, they can like be undefeated going into conference play as they were last season, uh, which was not the case, but this is still a really impressive performance from San Diego state, literally a pretty good St. Mary's team, maybe not as good as in past years, but San Diego state is definitely. What do you really, I don't know if you can really consider St. Mary's pretty good if you if it took a while for you to consider Kansas a pretty good team. Well, it's I would consider Kansas better than St. Mary. It just took me a while to consider them a top tier team. So they had the loss to BYU, which hurts because BYU they they were great last season. A lot of the pieces were taken down, but still um, these Mark Pope teams are good. But then. The winner Pepperdine team I liked coming in, then beating Arizona State, who I really like Arizona State, maybe my favorite team in the Pac-12, just because they have a really good team. They they have the freshmen, but they all also have experience. So I can see that team making a deep run. And then it's just, yeah, they beat UCLA to open the season. So led by Matt Mitchell, this San Diego State team is still there. We're maybe no Malachi Flynn, but Mitchell, along with a lot of the pieces that made them good last year, are still there. Yeah, San Diego State, they're seemingly like always in the mix in the NCAA, two-way, always one of the top teams in the Mountain West. Yep. Uh, Nathan Mensa has quietly been good. He came through for them in that St. Mary's game. Just the BYU game, again, that hurts, but they have looked just really trustworthy in every other game. Yeah, one um, – yeah, and for, I was – Kind of annoyed they lost that BYU game since I took them winning like as part of um, one of my streak picks. And I don't have anywhere near as much knowledge of this team as you do, but yeah, off to a decent start. Yeah, so this was kind of a question raised a bit last year as 
the WCC had Gonzaga, St. Mary's, and BYU, and then Mountain West had San Diego State, who was super good, and then a solid Utah State team as well. So who's the best conference west of the Rockies? It, the Pac-12, Arizona State, UCLA, and Oregon all look good, but I don't think any of them boast, obviously not even close to a team as good as Gonzaga, and then San Diego State's also very solid. I feel like I'm just going to go with Pac-12 here for safety. I mean, they're Washington State's off to um, quietly off to a 7-0 start. Oregon, they're um, rebounding nicely from their loss at home to Missouri, beat Seton Hall, Washington, um, and some random teams and you and both UCLA and Utah are looking solid. And you mentioned Arizona, uh, Arizona state with, I believe with, um, wait, who, who has the mo Oh, you USC has Evan Mobley, but, uh, Rem, uh, Remy Martin and, um, Josh Christopher, one of the more exciting teams and Stanford with, uh, Oscar to Sil- Oscar to Silva uh, exactly. leading up there. So I feel like they're Pac-12's the most balanced conference, and I pro- and features some good teams as well. Yeah, for sure the most balanced. You make a great point about all of the really stellar recruits. Where you got Zaire Williams, you got Evan Mobley at Stanford and USC, and then with Josh Christopher, Marcus Bagley, among other guys. That Arizona State team is deep, but this isn't where deep is like a backhanded compliment. This is a deep team that has, that just goes 10, pretty much 10 deep. And all of them are really good. That starting lineup is star studded. So that'd be my early pick, but then USC has a great allegiance. Uh, but then the, the star power for them in Stanford could definitely elevate them. Yeah. And I'd say you are right that this season, the PAC 12 is the best conference, but their struggles last year would probably go to the WCC but then the Mountain West isn't really in the conversation because they don't have depth or really a lot of strength at the top. No ranked teams right now. Uh, whereas the WCC, you can make a case for it just because of how dominant Gonzaga has been. Well, it's like the WCC this year is pretty much like a one-trick pony. As it, like uh, last year, I think you can make a better case for them being like the strongest since uh, Gonzaga was not nearly as dominant, but they were like they were a top ten team the whole year. And St. Mary's and BYU were both good. Were both good teams. And this year, like your um, Pepperdine sleeper hasn't really been performing. And I mean, I've been. I guess like Santa Clara is six and one. That's not the kind of team that's really going to do anything in the tournament. So I don't, until I see like more teams in WCC, like really making noise, there's not, I don't really think it has much going for it. Yeah. This should be one of the easier years for Gonzaga to run through the conference, both because of Gonzaga's, strength and is the weakness i'd also watch out for 
USF, that Virginia win was great. And last year they gave Gonzaga a very hard time twice. They also won in Provo and they returned a lot of the players from that team. Yeah, I um yeah, until I mean if the WCC teams I feel like you don't I guess they kind of go unnoticed until they like beat Gonzaga or something. So it's and like with the level of competition throughout the conference, it's hard to uh hard for me to like judge these teams at the moment, but until like something like miraculous happens among one of the teams below Gonzaga, um, I don't really see. It's hard to see like what makes this conference like better than the Pac-12, which has proven itself again against a uh, competition that's not just mid-majors. Yeah, this is the part where I. Uh... I unveil my cloak and I and I show that I have tricked you the entire time into praising the Pac-12, uh, one of the conferences you routinely roast. But you are right that that Pac-12 is a deep conference. And here's one thing for you just about Gonzaga. If there was a year for them to fall in conference play, this might be it because when Mark Few is looking at, okay, dates we really got to prep for, he can pretty much cross off half of them most years because they – always, always, always win those home conference games because they have one of the best, if not the best, college basketball fan base in the country. I mean, definitely my Duke Blue Devils, Cameron Crazies, a couple other fan bases are there, but Gonzaga has one of the best home court advantages. And so now without that, those fans there, it means that teams like St. Mary's, BYU, Pepperdine, and USF, they still have to overcome a really good, really talented Gonzaga team, but it'll be slightly easier when the deck isn't completely stacked against them when they go to Spokane. Yeah, it's an interesting point you uh, bring up there, like teams that feed off of a home, uh, home, court, a home court advantage don't get that this year, so... Uh, I guess yeah, that makes them a little a uh, little more vulnerable to teams that would appear to be weaker. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and and Gonzaga should dominate conference play, but again, that does leave more dates open. Maybe okay. Uh, who's your stocking stuffer? Um, my stock my stocking stuffer is Mizzou. I was thinking about. Uh, picking like Xavier or Rutgers, two teams I think have not gone very noticed, but I talked about Rutgers last week and Xavier still has a lot to prove, but they've got a game against Creighton to do so. But uh, back to back to Missouri, I think this team is the best team in the SEC. Tennessee hasn't really done anything so far besides beat a – um, struggling Cincinnati team at home and Missouri has already accomplished quite a lot themselves. They beat Illinois at home. They beat a Bradley team. That's actually, that's surprisingly kind of, that's kind of scary actually. Wait, timeout on Bradley. So that game, they should not have won. They, they needed a miraculous comeback in the final four minutes. And that culminated with their, down by two, they have the ball late. They are this, this, this so close to a 
backcourt violation. They, they throw it inside. They get the and one, and their 37% free throw shooter sinks a clutch free throw. They, they should not have won that game. Uh, and then on Tennessee's end, they did beat Colorado, a team I, I vividly remember you hyping up. No, I'm, Colorado's just an imposter team. That isn't. Yeah, but you, you, you hyped them up as, oh, one of those imposter teams that are playing well. Well, so is Mizzou, and no one, no one, no one's talking about Mizzou. Okay, fair. Missouri is, yeah, I, I do agree. Missouri is a very good team, but best in the in the entire conference seems like a bit of a stretch. Well, so, I mean, literally their only match it seems is Tennessee. Yeah. So I believe next Tuesday or Wednesday, pretty much a week from now, we will have Missouri versus Tennessee in Mizzou, so... Or Arkansas, one of my other imposter teams. They're 8-0. Uh, who? Arkansas. Nice, yeah, that, that's true. Arkansas is very good. Uh, they, they have the, the high-impact freshmen. I'm pretty They've good. beaten, like, every single mid-major that you could think of. Uh, most recently, Abilene Christian, but we'll... Um, we'll take that momentum, that free momentum. Okay, well, so the SEC, it's just a bit of a, it's just, I don't know, it's a deep conference. And so Florida's still in it with Keontae Johnson, maybe coming back later this season. I mean, he probably shouldn't, but like great for him getting back. We'll see what happens with him. I, I hope he doesn't come back because just what happened was awful. I, I hope he gets as much time to recover as he needs. But then that Florida team... Wait, they say you hope he doesn't come back? Yeah, I hope he doesn't come back this season because, I don't know, that seems dangerous for a guy who just suffered an on-court collapse. In the case, the case that you're scared of Florida, clearly. I'm, I don't even have a team in the SEC, Logan. Not well, come tournament play. Okay, then Keontae Johnson can do whatever he wants, but I hope he makes a sound uh, decision uh, it, it's just great to see him uh, return from the hospital. But then, just this is a deep conference, and so I'm hesitant to declare this Missouri team the best. But they undoubtedly do have the best win, beating uh, with that win over uh, Illinois. And so that does. If you add to, if you put a gun to my head right now, I would consider saying Missouri, but. When the dust settles, I don't think that'll be true. So, yeah, Moody for Arkansas has been great. The, the freshman was Moody. And Arkansas will be in the mix. Florida will be in the mix. Tennessee. K- Kentucky will not be as good as usual. But when you have freshmen as good as they do, they will play spoilers. So I was down on this SEC beforehand. I think conference play is going to be hectic. It's going to be fun. Yeah, Um Obviously, the Tigers will be running the table as well as the Razorbacks. Uh-huh. Are they going to tie? How's that going to work? Well, they can. two teams can run the table in a conference. You saw it with like Duke and North Carolina a couple of years ago in the ACC. Eventually, they'll be pitted against one another, but it's a win-win because they're both imposter teams. But doesn't run the table mean go undefeated? Not necessarily. I think that's literally what the phrase run the table means. Let's look this up. Okay. I'm sure you've referred to a team running the table. You haven't, and you haven't, and um, assumed they would go undefeated. On the table, uh, a term to 
go undefeated. Go undefeated. So, well, it's it's that's they're obviously not going to go undefeated, but I mean to, um, to dominate conference play. Uh huh. Yeah. So we will have that game January second, Missouri versus Arkansas in Fayetteville. I mean, yeah, maybe they don't. Maybe they just never play one another. Yeah, I mean, if there was a year for that to happen, it would be this one where COVID cancellation would uh, postpone things a bunch, uh, and then it just doesn't get rescheduled. That seems more feasible in football where there are fewer dates. With college basketball, they could stack more games, so maybe you play Saturday, Monday, Wednesday, instead of not playing that Monday game or something. Yeah, maybe. We'll see. Yes, so Missouri has TCU in that. SEC Big 12 challenge. And TCU's quietly looked good. They they had that Oklahoma State win. I, I know you like those Horn Frogs. So we'll, we'll see what they can do. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so for my tree star, it doesn't need more hammering, but Gonzaga's going to be the front runner all year. I mentioned how there is potential for some kind of WCC upset, but I just see Gonzaga controlling this because they have Virginia on Saturday, but they get, if they win that, they should be home free. I'd be surprised if they have another ranked opponent as WCC just does not have a great second team where maybe there are some kind of pitfall teams who uh, might trip you up in early February, but it's an overall easy schedule. So if Gonzaga can just, win that Virginia game, it's possible. I think we will see them go into the tournament as the number one seed, uh, as the number one overall seed, and it's possible they head in with uh, zero or one losses. Yeah, you kind of took my star for me. I mean, I Gonzaga is definitely the safest team here. If you're, I guess, betting on who's going to be number one, like, an AP poll prior to our at the start of tournament play, like who has like the top number one seed, basically like again, um, I'm assuming like Gonzaga would have the best odds to get that. For sure. Because it's just, it's hard to visualize a path where they don't get the number one seed. It would involve multiple conference losses among other things, because we know that in the Big 12, every team in the Big 10 is going to lose multiple conference games because the conferences are just too deep. You're not you're not going to – Kansas can't run the Big 12 table, by which I mean go undefeated, not do really well as Logan's definition states, uh, because going to Morgantown is always tough. Going to Baylor, there are, there are many uh, – there are just many pitfalls along the way that are maybe less true for Gonzaga. So – Will Gonzaga be considered the best team at the end of the day? I don't know, but I think they will be the number one seed. Yeah, I mean, so do I. They're basically every year they are the number one seed. And like a one, are you, are you referring to number one seed as like the top number one seed in the tournament or just a one seed? Yeah, exactly. The top overall seed, which normally means you get to okay okay as as yeah they're not always the top overall seed but they're always a once they're always a one seed 
Right, but Kansas, or for one, Gonzaga has never played this kind of non-conference schedule and gotten through it so well where they, they beat Iowa, they beat Kansas. Yeah, and beat Iowa in a like, dominating fashion. They controlled that game the whole way. Well, yeah, that, that West Virginia game might have been single digits, but the other two, Gonzaga against Kansas and uh, Iowa, were, were pretty dominant. Yeah, they there's really nothing that they could, like could have done better to start this season. Right, exactly, and that kind of non-current schedule, and then also the fact that just as a team, like last year, they were really good, but I was never excited about Gonzaga because Philip Petrushev was maybe the most boring player in college basketball, a really good player, great post-up player, but a really boring player, and they replaced that with Jalen Suggs, and it's electrifying just him passing, stealing, dunking, everything uh he's really good and he really opens up his offense Corey Kisper is such a fun scorer and they 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 just have a really fun team yeah it's it's interesting because like each year they their offense is usually like the it's usually like each offense just as effective as one another they always lead the nation in scoring but this year and usually that's from like dominating inside play but this year they have two inside out scores to lead that lead their offense right so right now Baylor's at the top of Ken Palm which makes sense because Baylor's played a had a great start to the season as well but at the end of the day we probably at the end of the day does anyone care about Ken Palm yes uh no I think the AP and some other uh People use use the metrics. It's important, but uh, you're right that the tournament isn't going to be decided based on uh, Ken Pomeroy's ratings, that it'll come down to more than that. But it is a very good metric for figuring out uh, how these teams are playing. And it looks like in, Baylor has a slight edge, but they will be tripped up in conference play. Going to Lubbock, going to Lawrence, just all of these really good teams. And then there's even more this year with, Texas and Oklahoma State being really good. I mentioned TCU. It's just going to be tough to get through that conference, whereas Gonzaga should have a pretty easy start to the new year. Uh, I just, your uh, mention of Ken Palm, I started thinking about, like, basketball rating metrics. What was, like, the new – they added some new metric that was going to be, like, used for, like, to decide tournament seating, and apparently it was, like, going horribly wrong. Yeah, I know what you're talking about, but, I mean – yeah, yeah, some of those computers are weird, but Pomeroy's has been really good for years, and so it's, it's just one of the most trusted ones. I know, I know what you mean. Like, obviously, uh, the BCS computer in college football has been criticized, but uh, this is a computer-friendly uh, podcast. We say as we record on computers, we want those to be our friend. We don't want them to turn again. Well, I record on my phone, so. Yeah, so we are a. I'm protected. Yeah, so. We're a phone slash computer friendly podcast, so we we don't oppose those uh, we don't oppose those metrics. Uh, will we give ourselves up to our robot overlords? I don't know, but we, we we certainly respect the metrics. Yeah, I'm. It's by the way, some Ken- of the metrics they have like interesting. It's I kind of like them because they give like interesting teams like an edge like they had um well i didn't really like this they had like 14 seed yale beating like three seed michigan and like some sort of simulation 
it was like BPI or something. BPI, so that, that simulates a hundred. Yeah, ba yeah, basketball power. The power indexes, I don't really trust particularly, like whether it be football or basketball. I mean, all these things they are right some of the time, but if you make all of your predictions based on them, you're not. So basically, you you should always default to what the metrics say or not always but you should default to what the metrics say you should listen to them but at the end of the day they aren't going to be right for example in an election or a basketball game the team or party that's supposed to win 60 percent of the time four out of ten times will not so the majority does not the, the team favored does not always win in those uh so for example for yale even if michigan had a 90 percent chance perhaps in what if they simulated it a uh, hundred times then that was one of the ten times that yale won uh, so your star so around the we ball. got scammed in that case. <laughs> nice. Uh, <laughs> it chose one of the ten. That sounds pretty. That sounds pretty shady. They chose one of the ten times that Yale beat Michigan. Yeah, you might have heard of the CCNY point shaving scandal, but I assure you, you have not heard of the 2020 ESPN uh, the, when the BPI simulation scandal. Uh, yeah, well, when they when they cheated the fake NCAA tournament, their computer NCAA tournament, Mi Michigan fans were wronged out of millions of dollars for those who gambled on the fake NCAA tournament. Wonder if you actually can gamble on that kind of stuff. <laughs> no, because you you'd pro you'd probably be able to know kind of what the yeah I guess actually you could because uh, yeah then then you scam the computer. <laughs> He's like gambling <laughs> on a coin that that goes heads like 60% of the time. Yeah, another reason I love Ken Palm, I mean, just they do have very accurate uh, stuff, but then also Wisconsin third, Duke 12th. I'll, I'll take those ratings. Duke does, what did Duke do to deserve a 12 seed? They're only once, oh, and Ken, oh, and Ken Palm, they're 20th in real, rec, real rankings behind Michigan, of course. Uh-huh, yeah, we'll see about what is, that. What is Rutgers? Let's see. Uh, Rutgers is 18th. So See, that that that's that I think that's disrespectful. Yeah, let's talk about Rutgers though, because I know you like that team with Ron Harper Jr., son of the MJ Bulls player, who you would have been a fan of had you been alive in the 1990s. I would assume. Yes, that's that's a correct assumption. Uh yeah. So, what's your thought on Rutgers? I, I mean, they they just win. I don't. I'm not like a huge fan of it of like scoring attacks that are primarily led by one player, aka Ron Harper Jr. But whatever. But their their scoring works, and they play good defense as well. Um, as they did allow Illinois to score 88 points, but they outscored them, and. I don't, I don't, I don't, if you like were to tell me like the start of the season that Rutgers would be the top team, I would have like said, like, forget you. Um, you have, um, I don't know, um, some, some sort of um, issue with picking like kind of hyped up teams but I guess Rutgers doesn't really a hyped up team they're kind of under the radar last year but they've really surprised they've really surprised me this year while I did predict that they'd beat Illinois um 
I didn't necessarily expect them to. And while I predicted that they'd beat Illinois, I didn't think they would. I I said didn't. Yeah, I know. Like expect is is different than think. Think I feel like is, um, it's like kind of a like a fifty kind of like a sixty forty. Expect I feel like is like an eighty twenty kind of thing. We need to do uh, the courageous conversations thinking compass for this. Uh, are you in the thinking sector, the believing sector, the acting sector, or the sector I can't remember? I'm in. I'm in, I'm in the belie- I'm in the believing sector with Rutgers right now. Yeah, all my picks. Like I would, down. like I would. Um, I think that they can, which is sixty forty, that they can beat uh, Ohio State this afternoon. Another a very uh, decent team in the Big Ten. That's where I am with this team right now. Yeah, uh, BPI does not agree with you. Rutgers only thirty five percent to win. Uh, we're taking this in the morning, so when. when uh, this game is played. We'll see what happens. Ohio State's three-point favorites. Uh, we'll see, but Rutgers does look really good. Okay, uh, Logan, predictions. So, which top 25 team do you think is going to fall at the hands of an unranked? Um, I believe that Ohio State will fall to Northwestern. Kind of a cheesy pick because Ohio State's a bottom feeder in the top 25, whereas Northwestern, I'm assuming, is in like the 30s or something. I haven't checked the rankings, but they're still technically unranked. And I don't, this is, this is kind of transitive property. I guess Michigan State didn't play Ohio State as far as I'm concerned. So I can't really use this, but Northwestern had a great win against Michigan State. Their only loss, like a one point, uh, one point loss in the thriller versus Pitt. And Ohio State has been, kind of shaky as of late they've had uh sink three of their last four games all um all of their last four games have been doubled have been in uh, single digits five point win at notre dame six point win versus cleveland state and seven point win versus ucla none of which the teams that they defeated um being very good and they lost at purdue by seven so I feel like uh, Rutgers is more than capable of pull, of pulling off an upset. They are, BPI gives them a forty three point nine percent chance of winning, and I'll take those odds. Yep, we'll see. Northwestern. I don't, I don't know if they had any fans, so they probably aren't really hurt by it as as they definitely do not have fans. Illinois is pretty strict. No, I'm saying I don't know if they had fans in the first place, like last season. Oh, oh, wow! That's 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 nice of you. Yeah, yeah, no, I watched like last year that their game, and I'm like, okay, this place is like empty. Uh, did did we have a pan? Did we have a pandemic? Uh, I don't know. A lot of people got really into Northwestern football. Maybe their fan base is a bit bandwagony, but I haven't seen the fans come out for them. Maybe a bit excited after that Michigan State win, if they can validate it with an Ohio uh, State win. Like last year, they were one of the only black marks on the record of the great big 10, the super deep big 10. I say that without irony uh, as much as I root against the conference. Uh, So maybe it makes your conference even scarier, Logan, if you got another good team in the mix. It it does. That's, 
I mean, it, it, it'll just, it'll just make, it'll just make us stronger. Mm-hmm. By the way, though, uh, ACC right now in bracketology has eight teams in the tournament. So that, that's only one behind the big 10. So we'll see if the well, AC- we have more higher seeds in the tournament math more higher seeds <laughs> uh, i don't know acc c- could make some i don't know if that even really makes sense <laughs> it does but the, the more higher seeds i get it depends which team like if like we have like i don't like who's an who's like an eight seed in the acc uh eight seed okay so eight seeds uh you have an eight seed purdue Let's see, who does ACC have? Uh, we got Florida State at the six. We're just going through. Virginia. Like we have more, I don't know, like we have more yeah. higher seeds than Florida State than you guys have higher seeds than Purdue. Yeah, you're right. Uh, that, 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 that's magic. And Purdue's even a lower seed. So uh-huh. that's pretty impressive. Uh-huh. This is this is getting really confusing for anyone who hasn't thought about college basketball before, but more higher seeds is correct. Uh, so for my upset, Minnesota over Michigan State. I had Minnesota last week beating Illinois. Did not happen, but Marcus Carr in that offense has has still impressed me. That they play well on both ends. And Spartans, I'm still not fully sold on. I do like the team more than I did in the preseason, but the star power maybe isn't as evident as it is with some other teams. Yeah, I was a little too aggressive with uh, Sparty last week, like um, predicting them as a... Also, by the way, is this matchup for... Oh, I I see what you did. I actually wasn't thinking that outside of the box. I was thinking just for um, this week through, like, Saturday. I see they're playing... For any of you wondering... They're playing on Monday, December twenty eighth. Yep. Uh, so save the date. I got a little confused. Mm-hmm. So save the date. That is when uh, the Gophers will uh, reign supreme over the Spartans, just as they did a few centri- a few millennia ago. Uh, now, uh, who's your top twenty five matchup? Who, who's going to win that? I was thinking of taking. I I want to take Rutgers beating Ohio State because I feel like Ohio State will lose to either Rutgers or Northwestern to sort of guarantee a one and one. Huh. Yeah, yeah, I'll do that. I'll take Rutgers. Um, it's, not, it's between that and Xavier and Creighton. Um, I'll take Rutgers winning at Ohio State. BPI, you mentioned, doesn't like this. But I do, I I think so. It's like a, a 60-40 kind of thing um, that Rutgers will win. Yeah, you've you've heard of advanced. I don't, I don't. I just don't really know like what makes Ohio State better than this team. You've heard of advanced analytics, but have you heard of really simple analytics? So, yeah, you you're you, so you're doubling down on the Ohio State hate. How shocking out of a Michigan fan. Uh, so I, it's I, the Ohio State hates not as real for basketball. Ohio hate. Uh, yeah, I mean, I know you don't have that. Maybe it's not as uh, conscious for you, but obviously paying against them twice, I would be surprised if Ohio State went zero and two here. So obviously, definitely there is some bad blood. It's kind of a it's kind of a conservative kind of picking style. 
uh-huh, where you know you're gonna win one probably, but no. Yeah, that's like that's an expect. I expect them to win one, so that's like eighty percent. I'd say it's like the opposite of a two point conversion, though. There's, there's a better chance of you going zero and two. Uh, it is a two point conversion where there's a better chance of you going two and zero than zero and two, but you should go one and one. Yeah, I expect to go. I expe- I'm expecting to go either one and zero or two and zero, which yeah. uh, which I'll t- which I like. I like expecting something. Yeah, so you've heard of advanced analytics, but have you heard of really, really simple analytics uh, that we call analytics just to uh, make ourselves seem smart? It's just a, it's just like you know, it's it's like psychological analytics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes it seem way too profound. Uh, I'll I'll be going in that Gonzaga Virginia game. Virginia has a tiny BPI edge, but I'll I'll take the Zags. It's just I mean, that's that's where it gets that's where it gets a little. I feel like that's where it gets a little too much. Like, what? How can BPI prove Virginia to be the better team than Gonzaga? I mean, they can't. That, that's that's not how it works. That's okay. Well, how how does it work? Well, okay. I'm we're done with the analytics debate. Uh, Gonzaga, I'm taking them just because it seems hard to imagine. Virginia slowing down Gonzaga, and it seems hard to imagine Virginia keeping up with Gonzaga offensively. Yeah, which is why BPI is wrong. Maybe. Okay, that's the, that's the end of the analytics discussion. Listen to BPI for the most part, but for these matchups that are BPI isn't using the transitive property. Virginia yes. lost to San Francisco, and Gonzaga would for sure beat San Francisco. Yeah, also also using the would-be property. Uh, so two of our favorite non-mathematical uh, properties that we use to make whatever nonsense we want. Okay, on to A10 watch. This was a tough week for our conference, Logan. St. Louis lost to Minnesota. I was so mad because I had Minnesota beating Illinois. Didn't happen, but no. Then, then the Gophers turn around and beat my favorite team in the country. And then Richmond lost as well in a bye game to Hofstra. So that sucks. Both teams uh, think a bit, but they're still both at the eight spot in bracketology. And A10, Logan, they've got three bids. Uh, that's one, two. Who would be the third? Uh, Davidson. They, they have the uh, – Lenardi has them at the 12 line right now. So in the preseason that – that's a, Is that a playing game or they play a five? Uh, no, that's just 12 straight up because the 11 is the play-in. So oh, I, I see, I see. he's probably having Davidson win the conference right now. So, Logan, you and I declared seven major conferences. Right now, the Atlantic 10 happens to be one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh in a number of bids. So I think our power seven theorem is paying off. Is um, the Big East sixth in bids? Uh. Yes, they have four. Pac-12 has five. SEC has five. Big 12 has seven. ACC has eight. Big 10 has nine. So we are we reign supreme once again. We we has to refer to the... The Big 10. The, no, it has to refer to the Atlantic 10. That's our conference. You can talk about your conference. I can talk about my conference. That's our conference. That's the conference. I reign I superior. Okay, cool, Logan. You, you can go on your power struggle. Uh, okay. The Let's Big Ten, the Atlantic Ten is just an ally to the Big Ten. Oh, yeah, I didn't realize you were such a backstabber. Okay, on to weird flex, but okay, Logan, what do you want to flex this week? So, this isn't something I've already done, but uh, today, 
since my swim my swim team we're just practicing monday tuesday and wednesday today we have our holiday workout and at the beginning and it's um and it's titled this is this i did not create this the 10 sets of the holiday season that your caring coaches gave to you and at the beginning of each set you have to say or let's on the first set or like on the second set or third set let's say you're starting the first set on the first set of the holiday season our coaching carry our caring coaches gave to us and we have to sing it as well and then for this one it's an easy first set 150 easy free and let's go to like the sixth set on the sixth set of the holiday season our caring coaches gave to us but we'll be seeing that 650s I, 650s i am roll build 50 build each 50 nice so you sung that all good, good job logan uh you see this combines your two main interests uh you're a big swimmer and then you're a member of the choir so you, you really do combine there so you, you must have been ecstatic of course yep so yeah that, that was yeah so good job there with your singing swimming routine uh for me, I have a much lamer thing to flex. So my cousin got like a second Xbox so he could play while his brother was playing. So he started his Fortnite account from like scratch. So we play against like the easiest people. So we got like five straight wins. That's <laughs> the most lame. That's how that is. Well, it was pretty great. Kind of that's kind of disappointing, honestly. Yeah, well. It's a flex because I, I can say I won like five straight games. It bumped up all my uh, advanced analytics, my video game advanced analytics. So, yeah, that, that's a win. Uh, so, yeah, singing, swimming, winning five straight games of Fortnite, that really easy skill based matchmaking. That's what we did this week. Okay, Logan. Uh, yeah, next week, we got more NFL, another good week. Go listen to our NFL podcast if you haven't already. Uh, see you then. Bye-bye. Good holidays.